Yeah, if you have your Bible or your electronic device, let's make our declaration of faith. Somebody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life, come on everybody, and my life, one more time, and my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. Book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 15, starting at verses number 17. The Bible declares, Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Verse 23 declares, for rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance. Somebody shout arrogance. Like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. As Samuel turned to leave Saul. Saul caught hold of the hem of his robe and tore it. Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. Everybody just shout, wow. God, thank you again for this opportunity to share the word. Thinking little of myself now, and I want to glorify you in my sight because I can't do a thing without you. I'm, I'm only here because you chose me and you called me. That's it. Nothing good of myself. It's all because of your grace. So I humble myself before you now and before this body of people to be an instrument, to be used of you, to speak truth into their lives so they'll never be the same again. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, um, so I don't consider myself to be like a, like a prophet. Um, I know some prophets. I know some individuals that are extremely gifted. Um, their character is intact. And I'm talking about the kind of prophets that can see through muddy, muddy water on a cloudy day. <laughs> the kind of folks that tell you, like, what you ate last night and why you shouldn't have ate it. That kind of stuff, you know. I don't consider myself to be a prophet, but nevertheless, God speaks to me and I hear his voice. Um, one of the ways I know it's God when he's talking to me, because when God talks to you, somebody shout, he's consistent. God is consistent in how he speaks to you. Be careful when you feel you hear something from God, but it comes in a strange way. Just be careful, because usually that means one or two things. Either it's not God, A, or B, you're so out of position that he got to communicate to you in a strange way just to get your attention. But you in a, when you're in a place where you should be, usually his voice is very consistent. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice, a stranger they will not follow. And God has been speaking to me. And this is what God does to me whenever he speaks to me. He gives me a statement. He gives me a phrase. And because of my gift set as a teacher, it's my responsibility to search out whatever it is he's spoken into my spirit. And this is the word that God gave me a couple of weeks ago. He said that, I'm raising up new leaders in old spheres of influence. This is the word of the Lord that he spoke into my spirit as I was driving. I heard him clearly say, I'm raising up new leaders in old spheres of influence. Now, as I begin to search out the word of the Lord, I want to just invite you into my research. 
First of all, the basic definition of leadership is simply influence. Most of the leadership gurus would agree with this base definition of leadership. It's simply influence. And influence is the capacity to have an effect or power to shape individuals, institutions, or environments. In essence, this is what God is doing in this particular hour. He is strategically setting his people in leadership positions because he wants to raise the righteous standard or the righteous standard of influence in the earth. Can somebody say amen to that? Understand the shift that's happening right now. It's not just a local church shift. It's not, just, it's not even just a body of Christ shift. I'm telling you today that there is a global shift that's happening now in the earth because God says, I want more of a righteous influence. Therefore, I'm putting people in position who don't mind carrying and wearing my name. Can you say amen to that? Somebody shout, I'm a candidate. I'm telling you today that you are a candidate for leadership. So my question, Brother Jones, if, if God is, is, is increasing my influence, if he's calling you to leadership, then what should I be preparing the people for as God makes this transition? So I'm looking at this particular text in 1 Samuel chapter number 15, and God is making a shift in leadership. And God says something to the old leader in preparation for the new leader. In 1 Samuel 15, 28, the Bible declares, Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. <laughs> no, no, I'm tripping on that statement. To one, now, now I just imagine myself being Saul and asking the question, um, what makes this guy so much better than me that you're going to take the kingdom from me and give it to him? As I was thinking about that thing, I was reminded, y'all pray for me, I'm being a little corner right now. Uh, I was reminded when I was in the 10th grade and my girlfriend cheated on me. She really didn't cheat on, cheat on me. She actually just moved on without telling me. That's what I tell myself to make me feel better. She missed out. She missed out. Hey, <laughs> welcome back, Lady McGee. <laughs> yeah, boy, I feel like preaching. Now I'm a preacher now. <laughs> This is the question I kept asking myself after this little situation. What did he have I ain't have? I used to walk around campus, HCHS, just looking at him, trying to figure out. I mean, we, both of us black. He dark as I am. Both of us, both of us <laughs> used to work out years ago. The only difference that I could figure out is, Chad, I mean, the one significant difference was he had a kid in his head. Some of y'all are like, what's a kid? Y'all remember S-Curl? It wasn't a Jerry-Curl, it's S-Curl. Because like I said, he African-American like me, and his hair, it ain't naturally wavy like that, brother. You got some chemical somewhere. Made me want to go get a kid. <laughs> If I was Saul, I'd be asking a question, if you're really going to reject me, what is it that this other guy has that you would call him better than me? And I want to highlight what the scripture declares. The book of 1 Samuel 16, 16, 16, 6, the Bible declares, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Now, let me give you the context. 
God has rejected Saul and he's sending the, the prophet Samuel to uh, anoint one of Jesse's son. The oldest boy comes in and he looks kingly. Why does he look kingly? Because this is how the old king looked. If you look at the text, they kept describing Saul in his younger days as a head taller than everybody else. So he was tall, he was buff, he was a handsome guy. So when Samuel goes to anoint the next man, he looks at somebody tall, he looks at somebody handsome, and he says, surely this is the man that's getting ready to be anointed the next king. But look at what God has to say about this, verse number seven. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord, where does he look, y'all? I came to help somebody just for a moment because there are some of you all who feel as though that God is getting ready to take me to the next level. And I'm telling you today that it has nothing to do with your belief. Come on, somebody. It ain't got nothing to do with your dress. It has nothing to do with your nails. But it has everything to do with the heart that God sees on the inside of you. Can you say amen to that? 1 Samuel 13, 14, he goes a little bit deeper and he says, but now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought a man after his own heart. That's key right there. Not just, it's not just, what, what is it about his heart? He has a heart after mine. He has a focus after me. So to really highlight David's heart, let's look at Saul's heart, the man that God is now rejecting. First Samuel 15, 17, Samuel said to him, although you were once small in your own eyes, this is why I'm rejecting you. When Saul said this, uh, when Samuel told him this, Saul was on his way to build himself a monument in his honor as king. It was a time, Saul, that you thought little of yourself and you thought more of me. But the reverse has now changed. Your every thought now is about you. Your every decision is about you. Your every ambition, it has nothing to do. And if you do, if you do stamp his kingdom, if you do stamp is for God, at the end of the day, you get glory, more glory than he does. So what is the real difference between these two boys, Saul and David? What is the real defining thing that God says, I'm rejecting you and I'm choosing you? Somebody shout, it's humility. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot this definition down. And, and I, I didn't give credit on this particular definition because everybody who I read said the same thing concerning humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. No, I really want you to write that down. I want you to type that out. Humility is not, is not, hum, not self-humiliation. Well, I'm just, I'm just ugly, and I'm just, I can't do nothing right. That, no, 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 that's, that's low self-esteem now, baby. That ain't humility. And if it is humility, it's false humility. So humility is not thinking less of yourself, but at the foundation of humility, it's thinking of yourself less. Now, I, wanna, I just want to highlight a couple of uh, uh, benefits that the Scripture ascribes to those who are humble. In Proverbs 22, 4, the Bible declares, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Everybody who is humble, God increases the quality of their life. He bestows honor on them and riches follow them. Somebody shout, that's me right there. 
Psalms 25 and 9, the Bible declares, he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. So the humble is never without directions. And even if I don't know which way to go, I'm going to wait patiently on the Lord because I know he's going to give it to me. Psalms 149.4, the scripture declares, for the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with what, y'all? The humble, somebody shout, the humble always win. Say it again, the humble always wins. I found myself winning more arguments with my wife when I became humble. That's the truth. Because you know what humility says? Humility says, I just want Jesus to win. And if I'm wrong, I'm willing to change my position. But if I'm right, I can't change because I want Jesus to win every single time. And if Jesus wins, come on, somebody. Not only do you win, but y'all win. Can you say amen to that? Now she going to clap. He was laughing first. I love you. <laughs> James 4 and 6, the Bible declares, but he gives more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows what, y'all? He gives favor. Hmm. He opens up doors for the humble. He builds bridges for those who are humble. So Pastor McGee, cute little message so far. I see the benefits of humility. God adds honor, quality of life. He gives grace. He opens doors. He gives favor. How do I obtain humility? I'm glad you asked. James 4 and 10 says, you got to do it yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Understand, last week we talked about the traits of a leader, and we highlighted the fact that the traits that you need for your new assignment, God has already been preparing you for them. Come on, somebody. He's been allowing you to suffer different things, different trials, different tribulation, because he knew that this was going to produce boldness in you, confidence in you, competence in you, integrity in you. But when it comes to this, this mentality, it's more than a trait. It's a mindset. He says you've got to choose. Somebody shout humility is a choice. You've got to choose to be humble. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. So I have to choose to humble myself. I want to help you in your, in your effort to be humble. And I want to, I want to first highlight, y'all just bear with me just for a moment because I'm really excited about this message because I was, I've been, and the brothers, as a matter of fact, this is what we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks. I came back from the retreat and I, I was excited. I was excited about what God did in me. I was excited about what he did in the brothers. And, and then it hit me. It, then, it hit me. Where do we go from here? Be because how many know, how many know by default, anything that's not growing is dying? Okay. So if somebody asks you how you're doing and you say, I'm hanging in there, you're actually lying. Either you're going up or you're going down. There is no pause in God. <laughs> there is no hanging in there in God. Either you're moving forward or you're moving backwards. Are y'all with me in this place? So I said, I said to myself, I want, watch this, I don't want to lose what I've acquired in God, but I, wanna, I, wanna, I want God to build on what he has done in me over the past couple of weeks. So what is, what is the thing that's necessary 
for me to grasp that's going to continue to take me higher. And God put in my spirit at the last minute is humility that's going to take you higher. Because every time God sees an humble heart, he commands blessings to go that way. Can you say amen to that? So I want to understand this, this whole subject about humility. Is anybody in here like me? You, you, you plan to go higher in God? So I want to show you the first instance of pride scripturally. It's not the first time of pride, but scripturally it's the first instance that, of pride that we see. The book of Genesis chapter number 2, verses number 8. The Bible declares, now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food in the middle of the garden were the tree of life. Somebody shout the tree of life. And the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So in essence, if you partook of the tree of life, you live forever. That's why when man sinned, he kicked him out of the garden, put up cherubims with flame and fire. Because he did not want, it was an act of mercy not to let Adam get back to the garden or get back to the tree of life. Because God says, I love you so much, I refuse to have you in this state of fallenness forever. So, the book of Revelation gives us good news that there's coming a day when we get glorified bodies that we will have unlimited access to the tree of life to live forever. Partaking of the tree of life produces eternal life, but, but to partake of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, what does, what does this actually produce if I, if I partake of this, this tree of this fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15 declares, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but, somebody shout but. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now let me just deal with that for a second. When he was talking about death, immediately he wasn't talking about the cessation of life, but he was talking about separation because death in its simplest definition, it is separation. And you'll see in chapter number three, when Adam partakes of the fruit, he, God says, Adam, where art thou? In essence, he was highlighting the truth or the fact that because of your sin, separation is now between you and I. But 17 is interesting. He says, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He says, I don't want you to eat from, from the tree. Now, here, here's the question. So, Sister Kendra, you mean to tell me God trying to keep good and evil away? He's trying to keep that knowledge away from me? Why would God tell me not to eat of this fruit? Because, it, I mean, it actually kind of makes sense that if I'm going to rightfully serve him, then I should be able to distinguish between what's good and what's not good so that I can choose what's good. But God says, I don't want you to have an independent spirit choosing what's good and not good for yourself. I want you as my son and my daughter to always to hold my hand as I lead you through the valleys of the shadows of death and lead you away from what's bad into what's good. So what Adam did is when he partook of the fruit, it produced in him a spirit of independence or pride for him to choose outside of God. 
Now he's in a position where he can make choices and don't have to consider God. I'll, tell, I'll show you in the text. In Genesis 3 and 7, then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sold fig leaves together. Hold on, Adam, what you doing sowing fig leaves together? Who told you to do that? Come on, somebody. God came, God showed up and said, who told you you was naked? How is it now that you're making choices outside of me? I'll tell you why. Because this fruit produced pride on the inside of me. And what is pride? It's an independent spirit that drives you to make choices without seeking God. So they sold figs, leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Eight declares, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now pause there for a second because this was a daily activity for God to show up and give them direction. And God to say, okay, Adam, it's time for you to name the animals. Now, Adam, come on, it's time for you to go to sleep because I'm getting ready to pull a rib out of your side. Come on, Adam, it's time for you to go to work. Come on, Adam, it's time for you to do this. This is the way that I wanted you to live, always depending on me, but now you've partaken of this fruit and you're making decisions without. Somebody shout, it's called pride. Hmm. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they, they, they hid from the Lord. Adam, who told you to run, man? Who told you to hide? I'll tell you who told me. When I partook of this fruit, it produced an independent spirit, a prideful spirit, that now I make decisions outside of God. Mm. Everybody shout, I need to humble myself. I need to humble myself. I need to humble myself. So I started thinking about this. I started thinking about this message. And so I asked myself the question because, shoot, you know, if you're going to preach, you always got to do self-examination. Don't, don't act like you mastered it. You, you know what I'm saying? I don't care what the subject is. You always got to do self-examination. So I looked at my own life. And I asked myself the question, Brother Jonathan. I said, how has pride <laughs> manifested itself in my life? And, and two things came up. Here's, here's the first thing. Pride has often manifested itself in my life through my assumptions. So it looks like this. And this happened like, I ain't going to tell you when. It's just recently, okay? I come in the house. And my wife over there looking crazy. And I said to myself, I know she mad. And I know what she mad about, too. You know what? I ain't, mm-mm, that's done. I'm, I'm going to deal with this, though. I'm going to deal with this. And for the next 15 minutes, I had a conversation with myself of what I'm going to say to her and what I know she's going to say to me because I already know what she's mad about. So I go up to her and say, babe, what's wrong with you? And you know what? It wasn't nothing about what I thought. I wasted 15 minutes of my life <laughs> playing out a scenario that was unnecessary because I was too prideful to humble myself and to say, sweetie, what's going on? Somebody shout pride. Some of y'all do it right now. She ain't even speak to me. No. <laughs> Let me just turn this way, because y'all. <laughs> we do it with our bosses, we do it with our spouses, we do it with our kids. Some of y'all don't deal with y'all pastor. I know he preaching. I know he preaching on me. 
Somebody told him. Ain't told me nothing. I preach by revelation. Whatever God revealed to me, that's what I talk about. Sit. Assumption. I said I wasn't going to tell this, but Charlotte, I'm going to tell it anyway. So, when last week, phenomenal, y'all, we had a, what else was a phenomenal service? Let me tell you something. Since I almost messed that service up, pride almost caused me to mess that service up. Let me tell you why. Because I prayed about, mm, it's too funny. I prayed about what to talk about. I prayed about the delivery method. Let me tell you what I didn't pray about. I ain't pray about the altar call. Let me tell you what I did. I just assumed what God did in the past, he was going to do it again. So I didn't even talk to God about that. So let me tell you what my assumption was. I was going to preach my little Sunday school message. I was going to ask who needed to be strength, strengthened. And in my head, I saw four people raising their hands saying, Pastor, I need strength. So I already knew that was going to happen. I had it set up. Since Jamie, I had the intercessors already in my mind. Put your hand on their shoulders. Let's give them, let's give them strength today. Yeah. It was in my head. And then I'm down here walking, and then the whole, flo- whole sanctuary stand up. I'm like, hold on now. That ain't, that ain't right. That ain't right now. Hold on. And then even worse, y'all start just walking. I'm like, hold on. I ain't tell y'all to come down here. I had to run up here. I said, hold on. Now they finna... So I'm standing here saying, God, help me. And I still, got my, I still got my old plan in my head because my old plan was I'm going to call Aunt Charlotte up here and she's going to pray over the people and then we're going to be done. So I pray and we intercede and then I'm, I'm being led. And so at the end, I, I, I look for Aunt Charlotte and she back there slain in the spirit. I'm like, Lord. <laughs> look. Then I'm going to pick on it anyway. I said I would. I'm going to do it anyway. Then I called Sister Nikki. I said, Sister Nikki, come, come, Sister Nikki. And Sister Nikki come down with her hands lifted. I'm like, you finna pray with your hands lifted. And then, <laughs> and then God give me a word for it. Then she go out in the spirit. I'm like messed up. I don't know what to do. So it finally hit me. Just call somebody to pray, and you don't understand what they saying, and it'll be God's perfect will, and we'll close out the service. I'm telling you, you will miss God assuming what he wants to do based on what he did. And whenever you're in that state, somebody shout, it's called pride. It's called pride. It's called pride. I'm walking around in relationships like I'm all-knowing, and I'm not. And I don't care if you got a gift of discernment, if you got a gift of word of knowledge, word of wisdom. The scripture declares we prophesy in what, y'all? In part. You don't see the total situation. So even if God gives you insight about something, you still have to humble yourself to get the rest. Can you say amen to that? And I know you spiritual, Elijah, but even God will hide things from you. Woman came to Elijah about her son. He says, God hid this from me. Talking about a true prophet of God. Couldn't see everything. So you humble yourself and talk to God. But even, even as important as talking to God, you have to talk to people. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. 
So, so, so the gifts of the Spirit are often operable in my life, especially with my children. And how many know it should be that way? I shouldn't just be a man of God in the pulpit. I ought to be a man of God at home. So God just shouldn't be talking to me about y'all. He should be talking to me about my, ooh, I'm, I'm finna go somewhere else. Ah, stay focused, stay focused, stay focused. Let me just go ahead and deal with that. I do have a problem with people who operate heavy in revelation, or so-called op- operate heavy in revelation. They got to work for everybody else, but they can't see their own mess. Come on now. Man, if you're going to see for folk, you need to see for yourself too. <laughs> Let me get back. Let me get back. Somebody shout, it's called pride. So God will often show me things about my babies. And it's, it's amazing because it's time, it sounds like I get mad when God show me because they'll, you know, I see them getting ready to do something or in the midst of something and they acting like ain't nothing wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, God just showed me what you getting ready to do and what you involved in. Like, hey, Pops, how you doing? Oh, hey, Pops, me. <laughs> and you getting ready to parent them by revelation alone. Let me tell you, successful parent, successful parenting will never be established by re- revelation but by relationship. That means you got to sit down and talk to your baby girl. That means you got to sit down and talk to your boy. Revelation may assist, but at the end of the day, if it's not relationship, telling you it won't work. Pride will have you thinking that you know the totality of everything that's going on on the inside of them, and you never sit down and talk. The devil is absolutely a liar. Somebody shout it again. It's called pride. So I'm letting you all into my little world. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Pride has continued to manifest itself in my life through my assumptions. Why am I confessing? Because I plan to get better. Why you want to get better? Because I realize it's, it's an, the, the brothers, we've been, it was in the reading last week that there's a passive and there's an active verb in 1 Peter. He says that if you actively humble, he's going to passively just exalt you. You ain't got to ask to be exalted. The moment I see humility, bam, promotion comes. So if promotion going to come like that, I need to get good. I need to get better when it comes to humbling myself. So it manifests itself through my assumptions. So I'm going to be a little bit more transparent. If, if, you, if you're taking notes, and I pray you, I want you to write these few statements down. Number one, write anger down. Um, write offense down. Right, bitterness. I'm, I'm going to say them again. Mistrust. Rejection. Lust. Unforgiveness. Regret. Fear. Say them again. Number one is anger. Number two, offense. Three, bitterness. Four, mistrust. Five, rejection. Lust. Mm. Unforgiveness. Regret. Fear. I'll give them to you one more time. Anger. Offense. Bitterness. Mistrust. Rejection, lust, 
unforgiveness, regret. Let me be very honest with you. Can y'all handle your pastor's honesty? All of these, it's not like I got tempted. Every last one of these sins, at one point in my Christ Christian walk, I was stuck in it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I didn't like trip and fall and got up. Nah, I was there for a while. <laughs> I was angry, Jones, for a while. I was stuck in the fence. Bitterness for a while. Mistrust, rejection, hurt because of rejection for a while. Lustfulness for a while. Unforgiveness, regret, fear. you really come out? Because I had people lay hands on me. <laughs> I had people pour oil all over me. One, good, one dude, he just greased me down. <laughs> I'm serious. I've been slain in the spirit. <laughs> Still got up mad. <laughs> I'm serious. I ain't saying it wasn't a real experience. I fell out. But as soon as I came to myself, <laughs> I'm still mad. I went on a fast, starved myself, started eating again, was mad all over again. <laughs> I was stuck for a while. I ain't. Now, I did come out. I, I did, I did, I did come out. And I'm grateful that I came out. Mm. But I started thinking, how was it that I actually came out? And, sweetie, it didn't hit me until, like, Yesterday. No, actually this morning, that's why I asked you about the things I asked you about. It hit me this morning how I really came out. How I came out of anger, rejection, lust, unforgiveness, fear, bitterness. It hit me how I actually came out. I didn't know that the root of all of those sins that I was stuck in was pride. I didn't know. How was it pride? Put, put that last slide on the screen. Because the definition of humility is not thinking l less of yourself. It's thinking of you what? Rejection had me thinking about. Lust had me thinking about. Fear had me thinking about. Unforgiveness had me thinking about. Bitterness had me thinking about. Mistrust had me thinking about. All of the things that I was stuck in had me thinking about me. And the root of you thinking about you is pride. So the moment I got my focus off Greg, ooh, and really put my focus on God as to what he was doing and why he was allowing such things to happen in my life, and you, I took it even a little further, I, I not only started thinking about God, but I started thinking about the individuals and helping the, oh God, help it, say it, say it plainly, say it plainly. I started giving concessions that maybe they're going through some things themselves so they can't treat me the way I want to be. 
Why are you being transparent like that? Because some of y'all in here stuck in mistrust and can't have healthy relationship because you're thinking about the last joker that hurt you. Some of y'all are stuck in fear today because you're thinking about, I don't want to get hurt, to, hurt again. Some of y'all are sticking in lust because you're only thinking about yourself. Come on, somebody. And you like the man that's laying at the pool of Bethesda, and, and Jesus poses the question, will you be made whole? And this is what God spoke to me, Sister Nikki, while you was praying. God says if they will humble themselves, I'll break the power of that thing today. I heard the Holy Ghost say, if you will humble yourself, I will break the power of that stronghold. Somebody shout, today. So some of y'all are like the man at the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus says, will thou be made whole? And the question today is, will you be healed? Will you be made whole? Will you be better than what you have been in the past? And this was his excuse. He said, I would be whole. But every time the pool is trouble, somebody run past me that could be helping me. And I ain't got nobody to help me. But he didn't consider that the person that's running past you, that they need help themselves. They didn't leave you because they they wanted to hurt you. They left you because they were hurting themselves. So I stopped thinking about my pain and I started thinking about the pain of other people around me. Y'all ain't, whoo, Jesus. Guy came to me some weeks ago and he was talking about his dad and how his dad dropped the ball and, and really wasn't in his life. And he was saying that all of these things transpired and I got all of this stuff going on in my life because my daddy wasn't who he was supposed to be. And I stopped him for a moment and I asked him a question. I, 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 said, I said, who taught your daddy how to be a daddy? And his daddy wasn't in his life. So if his daddy didn't teach him how to be a daddy... It's almost close to impossible for him to actually be a good father to you if he ain't had a daddy and he ain't submitted himself to no type of training or instruction. So you know what I told him? You might need to forgive your daddy for not being what he could have been or what he should have been to you. You know what I did? You know I helped him? I helped him to stop thinking about my daddy this and my daddy that, my daddy this and my daddy that. And he actually started feeling sorry for his daddy because his daddy actually couldn't be a good daddy because you ain't had nobody to be a good daddy to you. As, as soon as he shifted his, his focus, stronghold was broken off of him. And he walked out of that session free. And God says today, whoo, isn't it interesting? He says that your liberty is in your hands because humility it's a choice. 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 He says, humble yourself. How do you do it? How do you really humble yourself? Take the focus off you and put focus on God. How can I really do that? Two things I want to highlight. Brothers, we're talking about now vertical and, and horizontal humility. Horizontal humility is how you humble yourself to others. In order to serve my wife, I actually have to humble myself to my wife. In order to serve my children, I, have to, I actually have to walk in humility. Stop acting like I know everything just because I was 13 before. Don't mean that she going through the same 13-year-old 13 tri 13 trials that I went through. So I have to like humble myself in order to better serve them. 
I've been pastoring for quite a while now. This is actually my second church that I pastor, but I still don't know it all in order to serve you all, in order to meet your needs spiritually. I, got, I have to humble myself. So I have to make a choice to do that. That's horizontal humility. But in order for horizontal humility to manifest, you first have to have vertical humility. Vertical humility is how you humble yourself to God. So two ways. Number one, you make the decision not to make a choice without him. Stop making choices without him. Stop making choices without him. I'm going to let y'all in my business again. I got a little check. Somebody shot a little check. I got a little check. And I almost went crazy these past couple of days. I saw something I wanted, chat. <laughs> and he was helping me to go get it, too. It's the devil, y'all. <laughs> I should have looked at you and said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Had a conversation with God yesterday. Isn't it interesting? I did yesterday what I should have did, Lady McGee, seven days ago. So in essence, you were right. <laughs> no, no, now you're going to clap. That's called pride. <laughs> no, I'm the number one. <laughs> so God, God told me. Yeah. Look at pride over there talking without a mic. <laughs> God told me what to do with the money, and um, it wasn't my plan for sure, but it's his plan. So I made a decision not to make a move without God saying something. So that's, today you got to make that choice. Yeah, some of y'all, some of y'all right now got to press pause, because you're in the middle of the decision, <laughs> and you already told people what you don't committed to do, but you got to pause to make sure you got God's okay on that. Ooh. And I know it, that's, that's one of the hardest things in the world. It's quiet now. It's real quiet. I know that's one of the hardest things in the world to do. You know why? You know why? Because now you got peer pressure around you. And what you said and what you said, what you even said, the Lord said. But now you got to go back and see if he actually said that. But humility is, I'm not making a move unless God prompts me, unless he moves. You got to make that choice today. Can somebody say amen to that? Here's number two. Here's the easiest way to, to walk in humility, vertical humility. It's through worship. It's through praise. Hmm. I, I've, I've been uh, challenged by one of my mentors, and this was a conversation um, I had with Sister Jamie. This was a couple of, couple of years ago. We were just talking about the praise teams and songs, and, and one of my mentors, uh, I heard him say in the conference, that we should be singing songs that are more God-focused instead of man-focused. Now, I, I like, I'll give you an example, and I actually love this song. You know, We're blessed in the city, we're blessed in the field, we're blessed in the da-da-da-da. I love that song, but it really challenged me because that song is about Greg. <laughs> Again, I ain't throwing stones. I like the song. But the majority of our songs need to be focused if it's going to be praise. Nothing with singing songs about your identity and what you have and reminding you of the promises. I ain't, I ain't kicking stones, at, throwing stones at that. But if it's really going to be praise, it's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to praise just for a moment. Yeah. 
Give me something a little different, uh, Jamal. This is what praise requires. Get your mind off you. Just focus on him. Tell him what God spoke to me. I know I heard him. If you humble yourself and move your focus off you, I break the power that's been holding you down. Say something to him. Come on. Come on. 